Hello there. You're listening to Manufacturing Tomorrow, brought to you by the Ohio Manufacturing Institute at The Ohio State University. I'm Katherine Kelly, your host. Today, we are speaking with Mick McCormick, robotics business leader at Yale Materials Handling Corporation. Yale Materials Handling is one of the world's largest manufacturers of materials handling equipment. They provide products and applications for more than 700 industries in warehousing, large capacity cargo, and container handling. The operating company, Heister Yale Group, includes three divisions at 26 facilities in 13 countries and employs more than 5,000 people. Mick has worked in the materials handling field for 30 years. He has experience in automated guided vehicles, or AGVs, robotics, lift trucks, and distribution management. Before his term at Yale, he served as Director of Product Management, Robotics, Business Intelligence, and Information Solutions at the Raymond Corporation, and as a Business Integration Manager at Toyota Industries. Mick, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Would you provide our listeners with an overview of Yale's operations? So Yale is a is a focused material handling equipment, um, primary, primarily uh, lift trucks, um, as the core business, and then we build out around that. And we're headquartered, our global headquarters is in Cleveland, Ohio, and we have an exclusive distribution system that blankets the globe. Um, and right here in, in Columbus, we have Hitech, just a, uh, a phenomenal uh, dealer of ours and an expert in uh, distribution consulting and operations. So they have a, a strong presence here and really focus on the, the e-commerce and distribution development uh, that's taking place in the, uh, in the e-commerce world. Sounds like you're full scale. Um, how have, speaking specifically about forklift operations, how has that changed over the last decade? I don't think that our listeners would, would realize, would actually be able to, to understand, you know, that this has been dramatically changing. You uh, know, yeah, the last the last ten years have just been amazing. Uh, you're coming out of the Great Recession. Uh, people really took a hard look at how they were organized and how they were moving their materials and how they were delivering on the promise of um, almost instant gratification from a uh, fulfillment standpoint. Um, so you take that Great Recession and then you move through. A, uh, a long-term trend towards a distribution economy. And so the distribution industry has been outgrowing the rest of the industry, and that's being driven, and it's also driving an increase in electrification. So when you think about uh, fulfillment, uh, e-commerce, distribution operations, you're really looking at automation in two ways. You have conveyance, which is just pushing product through a facility as quickly as possible. And then you have stuff that can't be sorted on a conveyor, non-sort, uh, which tends to move by lift trucks. And those two areas have been growing by leaps and bounds. And as you kind of fast forward from 10 years ago to just the last couple years, you've got just a tremendous squeeze on the labor force. And the uh, work in a distribution is, is a physically demanding job. And with the labor unemployment rate as low it is, as it is right now, you've got a tremendous amount of turnover. So the pressures on industry today are just unbelievable. Um, and companies are trying every way possible to, one, um, really expand their strategic workforce planning to deal with the labor situation today and to deal with the skills gap that you see with uh, the aging baby boomers retiring and the next generation coming up. And as they're retiring, you've got a gap in, 
and uh, labor, just pure numbers, as well as the skills to do that job. So it's been a, uh, an unbelievable decade of change. Uh, quite exciting, really, when you think about how automation, um, Industry 4.0, um, just uh, robotics in general, how it's growing pervasively across industries that historically hadn't invested that much in it. Let's talk about all those topics okay, as much as we great. can. Um, so what technologies are being placed in these machines to improve operations and safety and even efficiencies? So there's been a, uh, a tremendous availability of, uh, of computing power, um, a lot of it driven both by just the the uh, the computing industry with uh, with Morse law, but also the uh, the ever increasing technology from the automotive world is making its way quickly into the material handling world, and you see the ability to add functionality, features, capabilities to uh, to material handling equipment that was viewed as future just 10 years ago, but it it's already here, and you're seeing the ability to do detailed analysis on how you use your equipment, uh, how the people driving the equipment are actually driving it, the ability to do behavior modification. So you can actually track how somebody uses a truck and go out and give them almost instant feedback um, using telemetry, Yale Vision as an example. You can tell exactly what happened, when it happened, where it happened. Uh, and then when you go out and talk to them, you can start educating, educating and improving um, safe driving habits. Um, and a lot of this is, is covered by the entire lift truck industry. They just had National Safety Day last month where they really try to reinforce the right behaviors, the safe behaviors, uh, and the effective way to use equipment. Because sometimes they're, I mean, they are operating at high speed. Uh, they go as fast as they possibly can go based on the, the local speed limits or the local rules of the road. But it's all about the velocity of getting product through your operation. Mm. Oh, just even within the factory. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely within the factory. <laughs> yes. So uh, at ProMat 2019, you discussed the driving forces at play in the adoption of automation solutions in workforce planning. Uh, you conveyed some striking statistics from a study uh, by MHI, um, that's a, a materials handling logistics supply chain trade association. And I, I don't think it would come as any surprise that over 60% of the companies indicated the labor shortage as the biggest pain point. I was struck, however, by the data that there are six jobs available for every qualified individual. Uh, given this environment, what are some best practices that you found to recruit and maintain a skilled workforce? So. Strategic workforce planning, uh, when, when you look at how that's been done historically, it's really focused on just the people and the skill sets you need from that, that labor resource, the, the labor pool, wherever you happen to be located. Uh, what we've seen over the last few years is, is almost a change. They're including um, not just the resource pool itself, but how to augment that resource pool. Uh, if you think back... Um, more than 10 years ago, uh, and you go back into, into heavy manufacturing, when robotics or automation came in, it was frequently viewed as a threat to the labor force that was already there. They always said, this is going to cost a job. Today, it doesn't cost any jobs. It's actually creating jobs. And so strategic workforce planning today really starts incorporating what can we automate, what can we augment? It's not that anybody's losing their job. It's that we have this turnover, and we have 
almost a never-filled resource pool. Job openings are almost permanently posted for some companies now, so they're not looking at losing jobs. They're looking at taking the people they have and elevating their role, elevating the value add they provide by trying to automate any of the mundane, repetitive tasks that they can, and then try to give people more responsibility, uh, more fun, uh, at work. Um, a great example is, is trying to uh, recruit technical people, technicians, into this industry. Uh, it hasn't been an appealing job, but when you look at it today, you're going not just going out there and repairing equipment, you're now going out and you're actually doing programming. That's almost a requirement uh, as these jobs get more and more complex, and that's a lot more interesting when you're thinking about going out there. I'm not repairing a, a hydraulic leak or an electrical short. I'm going out and I'm expanding a robotic system because this manufacturing operations have changed. They've got something that they want to do different, and you want that programmability, that support as close as possible to wherever the activity is taking place. So workers are moving from you know, entry-level uh, assembly and uh, material handling to those mid and high skill in terms of the programming. It and is. That, that's the big skills gap. So you've got six, six openings for every possible applicant out there, and they see this increasing over the next few years. And it really is that skills gap between who's retiring and what's coming up and the complexity of the jobs that uh, exist today versus what they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. They're a lot more demanding, and technology is, is, um, is changing so fast, the adoption level of new technology, that you really have expectations for capabilities that are far beyond what would have been a, uh, a slow onboarding process or more of a, uh, a traditional career ladder. People are getting stretched to the sides and they have to learn new skills extremely quickly. Um, and even though computers are getting closer and closer to being programmed, not automatically, but very quickly through algorithms, you still need that presence of mind, that understanding beyond one simple um, portion of your operation to really try and optimize what you're doing. And that's causing lots and lots of challenges from a workforce development standpoint. Right. I mean, including machine learning and, you know, that that's you know, coming into the forefront. And, you know, when you're talking about, um, you know, the uh, changes, rapid change in technology and uh, and the workforce, I mean, it's happening as we speak. And so how do you uh, keep employees engaged during and after automation? So you've got um, you've got recruiting and then you have retention. And so for recruiting, it's looking at the opportunity for people to expand, um, expand their knowledge base, expand their, their activities, expand their experiences. And uh, robotics and automation really opens up that, that uh, attraction, if you will, to bringing in new talent uh, and then keeping them engaged that uh, – uh, retention is so critical because once you've onboarded somebody and they understand your operations, the last thing in the world you want is to have that skill set leave and have to start all over. And distribution centers, while they, it's, it's amazing to go through them and see how much product races through them uh, so it lands on your front doorstep uh, exactly when you want it, uh, it is a demanding job. So it's really trying to take that activity and make it more enjoyable. 
make it something that somebody wants to go and do and, and explore what their capabilities are. Um, so it's really recruitment, making it something exciting to invest in, to investigate and to try, and then retaining, giving them lots of opportunities to increase their capabilities and experience, programming experience, um, operations, uh, fulfillment, and not have it be a, a rote type of job. Do you think cobots is a way to go in some instances? It is. So cobots is really where you've, you're kind of augmenting the human uh, activity with some sort of robotic support. Uh, so it's not purely automated. It's not purely manual. And this is, uh, this is where you have um, robots that actually take the, uh, the product that you've just picked. So a, a pick, pack, and ship. And uh, the most expensive part of any pick, pack, and ship is the travel time from pick to pick and then taking all those loads back to the shipping area. So these cobots actually take care of a lot of that horizontal movement. So you pick an or order, you drop it on a... Uh, a, uh, an autonomous vehicle, and it takes it back. So you're keeping that operator engaged and moving uh, and taking away as much of the, uh, the, the rote um, travel, horizontal movement to the shipping dock, which is it's just getting there and then getting back to your next pick area. So that's a big aspect of Cobotics. And then there's the, the opportunity for one person to manage multiple robots in a, in a manufacturing area. And that's been going on for generations. But the, the way it's done today and the flexibility of those robotic systems is just amazing. Yeah. And it's a, it's a chance for, um, from a, a strategic view into the future, a chance to look how we can bring more manufacturing into the market in which it's sold. So, uh, so much manufacturing over um, a long-term trend has gone offshore, but robotics and automation and the ever-decreasing cost of that investment gives us a real opportunity to start bringing that manufacturing back onshore as close as possible to the market in which it's being sold. Uh, you're using Industry 4.0 technologies to both train the workforce and provide clients with, the, as you talked about before, the, the, the data analytics that they need to improve their yes. operations. So what exactly is Yale utilizing? How are they, how is Yale utilizing the industrial Internet of Things in, in operations? So telemetry is just a key underlying piece of that. Um, and, and frequently, I've, uh, when I've, I've talked to some of our prospects and clients, I always tell them, you may not be using the data today, but when you have questions you want to ask of this, this data pool that exists, if you don't collect it today, you won't be able to answer it. And so the first step is just collecting all the information you possibly can so that you can start querying that information to see where where you might have savings, where you might have a chance to optimize your operations. And so the first step for anybody is outfitting all your mobile equipment with telemetry. And then the lift truck, because it goes throughout your entire facility in a free-form type of pattern, becomes a mobile data collection device. You can start linking it up with other parts of your business where you're collecting data also and really give yourself a good 360 view of what's happening in your operations. Uh, so 
you, you start taking this information together and you can do things like having a much better prediction on when maintenance needs to occur. You can do much better planning to deal with slow periods or to be prepared for the, the infamous peak, peak season where the, the need for labor is just extraordinary as you come into the, uh, the fourth quarter. Um, and so this gives you a real understanding of what your needs are for that season, and it prepares you so you don't have any unexpected downtime. Uh, getting back to workforce, what would you say are the prioritized skills that are needed in this kind of environment? You know, for example, you know, what skills does a forklift driver need now to collect that data? Uh, so. It, the the first skill, the first thing I look for when, when I'm out hiring and, and what we see frequently is uh, flexibility, flexibility in environmental factors, uh, flexibility in uh, taking on new, new tasks, new roles, and the desire to learn. Um, the skill sets, the building blocks, um, the more the more computer exposure you have, the more familiarity with PLCs and the understanding of how these systems interface, the better off you are. And it's, it's little things. Uh, people used to, uh, to be a little derisive, if you will, of, uh, of children playing games. Uh, yet now, that's a skill set that enables them to control drones, enables them to remotely control vehicles. It's become a a uh, tool that they're able to take into their their future their future work life with them. So we really look for flexibility, desire to learn. Uh, obviously, work ethic comes with that. Uh, but then the ability to link disparate um, disparate tasks together and be ready for the unexpected. Because as we've seen over the last 10 years with the tremendous change that's already happened, it's going to be like that, but even faster over the next five years. I noticed on the website that uh, there, there is a, um, a uh, forklift trainer. You know, it's using sort of a, a, a similar to the, uh, the welding trainers that you, okay. you see at Lincoln yes. Electric. So, I mean, how is virtual and augmented reality training, you know, how does that enter into the to the um, mix. So if you um, if you think about a fulfillment operation heading into peak season, which is you know all the warehouses start filling up in September, August as they prepare for the the Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays, uh, and as that uh, flow of um, of uh, of material of product moves into these warehouses and starts getting distributed out to be as close as possible to the uh, to the end users, to the consumers, um, all of a sudden you start hiring more and more people for that function. Uh, when you look at a virtual reality um, and you're, you're trying to vet as many people as possible, you may increase your workforce by 20%, 25%, 30%, the, the numbers sometimes get quite staggering. Uh, a good way to start vetting who can actually do the work, who can actually drive the equipment or manage the equipment, virtual reality is a natural fit for that. Um, are you familiar with a, with a high-level order picker? 
No, I don't think so. So this is you're standing on a platform on a on a lift truck, and this goes up 20, 25 feet in the air. And uh, when you're interviewing for that, you really want to know if somebody's going to be comfortable doing that. You don't want to bring them through your onboarding process, get them out there, and then have them uh, maybe not have a fear of heights, but a fear of that kind of height because you're driving when you're in that elevated position uh, at a controlled speed, of course. But uh, augmented or virtual reality gives you a chance to actually see if they can operate the equipment and have the comfort level to do it. So it's a quick way to shorten that onboarding process. And by doing that, you're already training them for the job they're going to be doing. So it's a it's a real tool for large distribution uh, employers, but it's also a real tool for employment agencies. So they can start testing to see what the skill sets are. And it helps sometimes with the um, the uh, the multiple languages you're dealing with in some of these operations because now they can go through and do some uh, some testing and you can use a lot more graphical training than you would what would normally be a written type of an exam. Oh, that's really interesting. What's um, next for Yale? So we were just at, and you had mentioned Promat earlier, uh, we were just at Promat and uh, we announced uh, two, two things of significance among everything you do at a, at a large industry trade show like that. One was the, um, we have a, a fully robotic reach truck. And a reach truck is, is one of the two workhorses of the uh, distribution industry uh, and is very much in a support role in the manufacturing industry for work in process um, high density storage. So you've got robotic reach trucks, which is right off the production line conventional reach truck that's just outfitted with intelligence so that it can move product automatically. Um, and it, it really does augment the workforce for um, uh, how much equipment you can move through and actually running in a 24-hour situation. The other one is a, uh, is a partnership we have with Honeywell. Um, Honeywell uh, has a, a voice-directed product, uh, Vocalect, and we've partnered with them so that um, when you're in a, in a picking operation, uh, and this is very uh, prevalent in the grocery distribution industry. Uh, they actually use voice uh, commands to pick. So the system knows exactly where you are and tells you what to pick, how many to pick, and then where to put it um, in, the, uh, in the outgoing load. We're connecting to that voice system so you can actually direct the truck, sort of a, a cobotics approach to move forward to the next pick. So historically, you'd go back and you could, you could move your truck by walking beside it or get on top of it and drive to the next pick, depending on how far you have to move instead of walking back to the truck. You can just tell the truck to go to the next pick, and you just keep moving forward. And we've also seen the ability for the system to tell you whether you should walk to your next pick or get on the truck and drive to the next pick based on the distance. We think this is going to be a, um, a really exciting, beneficial impact in the, uh, in the grocery industry where every step costs money and every pick makes you money. I can definitely see that. That's incredible. Thank you so much, Mick, for coming on the show. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me.